Well, uh, hello. This is a podcast for uh, sexually transmitted infections, and my name is Dr. Gary Brook. I'm a, uh, an associate editor for the journal as well as a GUM physician in North London. And today I'm having a discussion with Dr. Adrian Paul Freeman from Leicester about his paper, which is both present electronically and about to be printed in sexually transmitted infections, entitled HIV testing for acute medical admissions, evaluation of a pilot study in Leicester, England. So, um, Adrian, would you like to uh, introduce yourself and also then perhaps you could give me uh, a brief summary of the important findings from your paper? Yeah, well, good morning, Gary. Yes, I'm Adrian Palfrey, I'm a consultant physician in GE Medicine in Leicester. And we got some funding from the Department of Health to do a pilot to look at the feasibility of routinely testing acute medical admissions in Leicester for HIV, as we're a high prevalence area uh, in the in Leicester for, for HIV. So what we did was we tried to introduce HIV testing as a, a routine opt-out test uh, on our acute medical admissions unit using the model that we'd used 10 years before in the antenatal service where it was re- very successfully introduced um, with uh, minimum disruption as an opt-out test very successfully. And I guess we went some way towards achieving that. Um, what we did, just to summarise the paper, uh, was that we uh, had a discussion with the clinical staff working on the ward and with the virology staff and everyone else to see if we could try and integrate this, this as seamlessly as possible. Um, we discussed it obviously with our ethics committee and as the national guidance on HIV testing had recently been published and we were essentially implementing that, they didn't think it was necessary for us to, to get ethical approval for what was essentially uh, implementing guidance. And then we uh, put posters up on the ward to say that we were going to be testing everybody from henceforth for HIV. Uh, we instructed all these, the staff who would be taking blood on the ward that that's what we were going to do and that they had to obtain verbal consent. And then we went ahead and tested as many as we could. We compared our uh, testing rates to the 12 months prior to the pilot uh, to the time that this pilot went ahead and then we looked again afterwards to see what happened uh, after the intervention. The intervention was essentially myself and all one of the registrars going up to the ward to badger the uh, clinical staff, the consultants doing the ward round and the junior doctors on the ward to ensure that they did as many tests as possible. Uh, at the same time as uh, facilitating the process by which the tests got done, we made sure that all the forms were pre-printed so they didn't have to actually have to write out any forms, they just had to uh, get the clinical aids to take the blood and uh, reported our uh, rate of the results as you can see in the, in the pilot. So you were quite successful in as much as I think before the uh, pilot study, you, the, the actual number of uh, p- patients being tested was very small, I think 3.7% you see and, and it rose during the pilot period to up to 22%. And in, in fact, it seems to have continued after the pilot period. So you've built on that. And I think the, the last figures you reported were, all, again, around about the 22% level, 22.5%. So it seems to have, have been maintained. First of all, I suppose the question is, do you, do you think you could do better or in as much as uh, there are you know, about 80% not being tested. Yeah, that's a good point, Gary. I mean, we our current figures, because we're monitoring this on a monthly basis now, as the trust is taking this on board, are around about 30%. And that reflects that um, a significant proportion of the patients who come onto the acute medical admissions ward don't actually have any further blood drawn, and all their bloods have been done in accident and emergency on their way up to the ward. Um, 
And what we'd quite like to do is get uh, an HIV test done on all the blood samples taken in A&E on patients who are admitted. The problem we've got with that is that not everybody who has blood drawn gets admitted and then a lot of those patients could potentially be lost to follow-up. And the, problem, the other problem with A&E is that it's chaos down there and they're obsessed with the four-hour wait. So all they're really interested in is either getting people out or out of the department, um, either home or, or, or to a ward. And it's very difficult to add in anything extra to that process, though that's not going to stop us from trying. So um, I guess that we're testing most of the people who actually have blood drawn upon the unit. Uh, but the next step will be to try and get people who have blood drawn in A&E tested too. In, in saying that, it was a seven-fold increase in testing from pre-pilot to pilot, which is obviously very commendable. Um, and I think you say that you diagnosed uh, 10 new diagnoses in the pilot period, of whom I think you said um, three would not have been diagnosed otherwise. So uh, I, I think it seems to show right away that, that uh, the more people you test, the more you'll find, and the more effective uh, programs like this will be. Yes, I suppose so. I mean, the other thing is it, it becomes self-fulfilling after a while. I mean, we put a lot of effort into trying to persuade people that this is a worthwhile thing to do. But once the junior doctors and the consultants on the ward realised that this was worth doing because they were getting positive results, we get one or two positives a month now, and they're, not, they're usually not the people they would have otherwise have tested and they're not necessarily the people they would have expected to be positive. So it's become a routine in part of, of, of what happens in Leicester, and I guess that, that's a lesson for other, other centres as well. They could do the same. No, absolutely. Although I, I think you did, you do say in your paper that there seem to be one or two consultants who seem to be fairly reluctant to get involved. Have, have, have you had some further success with them? Well, I'm not so sure. It's the con- There's a variety of consultants who work on the acute medical admissions ward. There's approximately 30 who rotate through, uh, and like all human beings, they're all different in, in, in various ways. And uh, uh, and some have higher testing rates than others. We've tried our best by doing feedback um, because we know the testing rates per consultant to feed this back to them saying you're not testing as many of, uh, as your colleagues and thus you may be missing more patients. But it's difficult to get to, to, um, to uh, get them to change their particular behaviour. And I think the way around that is to cut them out of the loop completely and get the junior doctors to do the testing uh, because I don't think it should be a consultant-initiated test. I think they should, the, the juniors should be doing this. So our plan is to try and reduce the consultant-to-consultant variability by, by putting the reliance on testing uh, d- further down the line. Yeah. How, how are you... Um Oh, how are the uh, junior doctors uh, requesting the test? It, it, do they actually have to actively request it? Um, the reason why I ask is that I know that in some studies, some pilots, what, what they've done is they've just made the HIV test an automatic part of the routine um, battery that, 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 that of tests that are um, ordered on, on patients coming in to wh- wherever. It's... A, it's- down as a routine on the clerking sheet and uh, we've also put it as now that the ordering of blood tests has become a uh, an electronic order now um, the part of the AMU admission screen one of those is an automatic should should be an automatic HIV test so theoretically they should have to opt out on that that hasn't really changed our testing rates very much it still stays around about around about 30 percent over the last 18 months um, but in conjunction with that, I think it's important that the patients are told, not just uh, sure. not just by a piece of written information stuck on the end of the bed, but verbally to say this is what we routinely do when everybody's walking through the door in Leicester. We routinely do uh, full blood count, UNEs, or HIV test and the chest X-ray or whatever. Uh, and I think that's a reasonable thing to do. 
Yeah. Do, do you get much resistance from the patients about having a test? We've only had one patient, to my knowledge, who didn't want a test um, after explanation for whatever reason. And uh, as far as I know, there's only one patient who tested positive who um, we were unable to follow up because the patient ran away. We right. now <laughs> we spent a great <laughs> deal of effort life. chasing yeah. that individual to work out what was going on. But it turned out there was somebody who already knew her diagnosis but didn't want to disclose it to the medical yeah, staff during the submission. Yeah, we had a similar case recently, but that's by the by. Um, the, do you get any resistance from any other staff members? I know we talked about getting the junior doctors involved and so on. What about um, healthcare assistants, nurses, receptionists and so on? Did, did they put up any barriers? No, to be honest, they didn't. I mean, it was we, we spent a, um, a lot of time getting these people on board, so they understood what we were doing was important and could potentially save lives. Uh, and uh, so, and also getting the consultants on board, we did a few. We've done several grand round presentations now at the hospital grand round on patients who have uh, presented either late with HIV, uh, who've seen other medical consultants previously, and the diagnosis has been missed. And most of the consultants who sat through that really don't want to be in that position themselves. So uh, I, I think we've got buy-in across the trust. And certainly when the pilot was finished, the medical director wrote to every single consultant doing acute medicine saying, you know, we've just got to continue doing this. This is mandatory now, uh, which, was, which was good to have that support. Did, did you get any resistance from um, pathology? Because um, each of these tests costs, uh, well, it depends on your laboratory. I, I think the test we've been quoted is £10 for, per test. Well, that's an interesting figure because no one really knows what an HIV test costs. I mean, we, our lab charges a notional £7, I think. But if you actually look at the how that cost breaks down, uh, the analyzer they do the test with, they already own. Um, the staff they are employing to run the analyzer are already employed. The only real cost of the, of the additional HIV test is the cost of the reagents, which is less than a pound a test, although they charge the service uh, about six or seven pounds per test. But they've agreed that they're not going to consider that as, as part of the equation because given the prevalence of HIV, undiagnosed HIV is uh, potentially so high in Leicester, it's really cost effective to do the test because if they miss it, then the, the on costs of sorting that out afterwards are, are far, far higher. So that's not really been an argument in Leicester. We've just at, at all... Good. No, no, absolutely. Um, you, you, you allude to um, these patients who have been diagnosed who otherwise wouldn't. Perhaps you could give a flavour of, of what sort of patients these are. Well, I, th- I think the one of the concerns we had was, why are we just screening everybody who would have otherwise been picked up if you'd, say, looked at indicator diseases or people who had an AIDS diagnosis or people who would perhaps come from geographical areas where one would have perhaps recommended screening anyway? And we looked at that amongst the 10 in the pilot, and they didn't all fit those criteria. We also think we got the age range wrong as well, because um, many of the patients were uh, in their 50s uh, or late 40s. So I think that um, we've therefore moved moved the age range up a bit, because we think the uh, the age seems to be no barrier to having HIV. And we've had, since we've been doing this, we've had patients in their 80s who have been diagnosed, uh, who would otherwise been missed, and we've... It's not entirely clear how they caught their infection, but it's clear um, that we would have missed them if we uh, we hadn't tested everybody. All right. So it's interesting because I think you say in the paper that, that at the time of writing the paper, you'd moved the um, upper limit to 79. But in fact, perhaps, the, you, or are you saying now that actually there is no upper limit and you're just going to test everyone? Well, I think if you test everyone, I think 79 seems a reasonable thing. But as I said, we have picked up people older than that. 
No, absolutely, because I, and I, I certainly am looking after well, about two or three patients in their um, early 80s, again with HIV. And, 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 and as you say, it's not always clear how, how um, they, they came across it, um, sex possibly, but, but, but um, other routes as well. And so, um, you know, uh, people do forget about the elderly, don't they? And, and, and we shouldn't. So I think that's absolutely uh, a great idea to make sure we, we test everyone at that uh, right up to the, uh, you know, the end if, if, if necessary. Um, we, we talked briefly at the beginning about how we might increase the rate and, 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 and by the looks of it, you're almost maxing out in, in as much as, you know, you've, ma you've made it as easy as possible for the juniors to do it, the cons consultants buy in, made it a routine test and, uh, and so on. Um, you know, I suppose the, the, the question is, um, should we go that step further and, and, and start looking at any majors or even any minors? What, what do you think about that? I think the problem there is, again, is getting the result to the patient. I think there's been some change now in policies about if you do investigations, you really do have to give the patients the results, even if those results are negative. We're currently, for instance, in our GU clinic, operating a no-news-is-good-news policy, which we're going to have to change as a result of that. So if you're going to do start doing HIV testing on everybody who comes through casualty, and the, the huge numbers who come through casualty and have blood drawn, the vast majority don't stay, they go home, then communicating them, to them all their HIV results when they've gone home and that when they may not have given you the correct details in terms of content and that could that could produce a lot of problems the reason we focused on people who are being admitted is that we guessed they were the people who are most likely to be actually sick where you need to exclude the diagnosis the people who are coming into casualty who may have other reasons for instance they've uh, had a bit of minor trauma or whatever i think are a different population uh, and uh, i'm not sure if a and e is the best place to screen those individuals or to have a discussion about hiv I think you're right to some degree. I'll just um, declare an interest and say we, we do test in A&E majors, and, and, and the view we've taken is that uh, they have all sorts of other tests taken as well, and therefore they get the result of the HIV test in the, exactly the same way that they, they get the result of all their other tests. And so all their other test results, you know, the full blood count or whatever, are, are accessible to the GP and normally um, uh, communicated back to the GP so the HIV just joins that list so the, the result doesn't come through the GUM service except if it's positive and, and what we've got is a, um, a, a system now where any HIV test the, the minute it's positive is automatically flagged to gum from whatever department it is in the hospital. That's a good system I and mean, I, think, I think there's a difference between any majors and any minors, minors. I think that's the, the, the key to that. No, absolutely. I, I, I agree. Um, yeah, A&E minors is altogether more difficult. And, and, and I understand that, that some services that started out doing finger prick testing for A&E minors have, have withdrawn from that because um, it, it was so onerous on the staff to, to do that and uh, so difficult that um, other methods have been um, applied. I, I understand um, one service, for instance, is now taking saliva samples from A&E minors, I think, and not obviously not testing them immediately, but testing them later and then um, giving the results back. But as you say, there is still the problem of low prevalence, perhaps in A&E minors, and, and, and difficulties in communication. 
Yeah, I think I think the my own view is with the testing is that we it's probably easier and more cost effective, and uh, you'll get more patients if you look at the people who are sick and with an undiagnosed illness, either in A and E or or, or in acute medical admissions unit. Uh, and target those to make sure those people in those people you don't overlook a diagnosis of HIV. And and um, do you think that you've made a real impact in terms of these um, at least three patients in the pilot, I think, and, and several more post-pilot, where they otherwise would not have been diagnosed with HIV? Do you think you've made a, a difference to, the, to those patients clinically, theoretically, obviously, but you know, have you got a flavour of how better they were treated as a result of that? Undoubtedly. I mean, I think if you, if you miss the diagnosis, the, the, the diagnosis, these patients may well perish as a consequence of, of, of an undiagnosed illness. Uh, so, but I think the, the key outcome that we're looking for in the long term is to see if we can reduce the undiagnosed prevalence and thus the um, proportion of patients presenting late to care. And that will hopefully be measured as, I think that's going to be one of the standards that's going to be measured uh, by commissioners in the future where they'll look at the proportion of patients who are presenting to care with either AIDS or a CD4 count less than 200 with severe immunosuppression. And if we can prevent that by testing more people when they present to medical services uh, with other in, in either high prevalence areas or with indicated conditions, then we may be able to prevent this in the future. And I think that will be a key outcome. No, absolutely, and 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 of course um, they've they've got partners as well, and presumably you might you've you'll have picked up a few um, partners along the way as well. We we haven't we haven't presented any data in the pa- in the paper on partner notification, but that's obviously something we do with everybody who's diagnosed. But but uh, yeah, I, I would guess you probably have picked some uh, new positives from from that as well. I'd be surprised if you didn't. So, um, so. Uh, um, I think it's about time to tie up, but but um, if you were to um, give some advice, just you know, in, in a couple of words, to someone who is thinking about introducing um, HIV testing in in, uh, in new newly admitted patients or in the ANE, perhaps could you, what advice would you give them? I think the most important advice to give them is to do, to engage the people who are working on the unit at the time and work out how you can do this with a minimum amount of extra work for them. So you need to make sure that however it's done, it becomes something that's routine, something that doesn't involve any extra hassle or thinking about it. And also it doesn't, you also resolve the issues with the trust and with others in terms of getting the costs of the test paid for so it doesn't appear on someone's budget and no one has to worry about it. I think if you can get all those things sorted out and get buy-in from the staff, then it'll, you should be able to deliver it. Great, well, thanks very much. Um, so we'll call it a day there, and thanks to everyone for listening. That was a podcast for sexually transmitted infections on uh, Adrian's paper on HIV testing for acute medical admission. So thanks very much, Adrian.